Hello. Hola. Hello. Arigato. Hola. Bonjour. And to you, languages. Guggenheim. <laughs> Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. How are you today? I am well. On this mid-November day, it is Remembrance Day in Canada, and we clearly mm. have a hard stop. This is good for everyone. We have a hard stop at 11 a.m. It's now 10.15 for our moment of silence. Yes. To commemorate those who fought. And you can all imagine how hard it is for Lindsay and I to achieve a moment of silence. <laughs> so let's really make this happen. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. How are you today, Lindsay? I'm good. I'm excited yeah. to uh, talk to you today about our interesting topic we've never spoke about before. Right? And you got to admit, I've been trying hard to get this on in the roster. And you're like, we'll see. I know every couple of months you're like, what about you? I'm like, no. <laughs> what about you? No, no. I want to talk. Nope. I want to talk about What me. about you? Nope. Purpose watching. I want to talk about terms nobody knows about except for marketers i'm going to talk about terms nobody cares about <laughs> the fun thing is we're both standing today big news guess what's arriving today effie desk the effie desk is, is arriving not mine we... not mine but simone's i want to put together simone's when it arrives today and then i'll decide i want to be able to footprint to see it. how big it is yeah because it's like it is a big open space and i'm like wait a minute the window's perfectly placed you could be like this to find your light you have to find your light right i should turn that on hang on find your light no find you find where the light is you don't bring the light to you come back there it is that's better do you like the little circle in my eyes I know, but now I can see the circle in your eyeball. Everyone knows you're trying to be an Instagram influencer now. <laughs> Instagram influencer, isn't that what I want people to know? What do you think? Is it too much? Too much? Is it too much? All right. Today, we're going to talk about travel and the marketing of said travel because we are marketeers, aren't we? Yes. Can we just also talk about taking trips though? Cause I'm ready to go. Yeah. I think that's the same thing. So go. Okay. Cool. Cool. I think cool. that's why okay, I cool. finally got an in with you because you're like, I'm going on a trip. And I was like, I can't talk I've come about around. it. And now you've booked the, you know, the trip of all trips. And I'm like, can we now talk about it? You're like, mm -hmm. no, still no. <laughs> but yes. What do you want to talk about, Lindsay? Let's talk about the here and now. Um, travel, yes. So finally, we are letting Sean talk about travel. Uh, has wanted to talk about it for a long time. <laughs> and I mean, I think we've been talking about for the last like year and a half about moving into the new normal. And so like, there is no going back. There's only going forward. If I have to say that one more time, I'm going to lose my marbles. Just like travel. Right? There's no going back. Unless you believe in time travel. I'm not there yet. It freaks me out. Totally different. Yes. Let's move forward. Yes. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's kind of like two sides. I feel like we're talking, there's the marketing side of it. There's also like the personal side of it. It's just time to go. And where do the two come together? Yes. You know, it's time to get out. You going anywhere? 
I am go yeah, I am going somewhere. Well, not for a while though. So it is November. So I've booked something, but it's not until May of 2022. So I am going to a festival in Boston called Boston Calling to see my very favorite band, the Foo Fighters, for like the billionth time to celebrate my 40th birthday in 2022. So I'm so pumped about that. And now that it's, it's interesting because when you think about like mindset of travelers, now that I've booked a trip, I'm like, okay, I'm booking trips. We're booking trips. Like we're going now. It's almost like you just need to rip off the bandaid. And I think from like an insights perspective, from a marketing side, we're seeing that as well. Lindsay's a lot about ripping off band-aids because she's broken. So I'm just, oh, I'm over everything. Yeah, you are. Rip it. I'm the fearful one. Yeah, I got no plans. No, but you're the more adventurous one. You're the one less afraid of COVID than me. But I'm a real rule follower. Do you not, you know that about me? Like, I'm not a rule follower You'll say at you're all. germaphobe. <laughs> I am a rule follower. Okay. So it's like, I would not, I cannot see me enjoying any trip where a bunch of people are breaking the rules. Like I can't tolerate photos on social media of people out at places. You can't? It, it doesn't do good things for me. So it's almost like movie theater. Because it just makes you feel like everyone should go home. Like don't be doing the stuff. Yeah, I don't have a fear of getting it. I have a fear of it coming back. And I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a valid notion. Like, come on, people. It's very basic logic. Like I don't, I'll, I'm, I'm the first to break a rule if it's illogical or if it's outdated. Right. Uh, but I, it's sort of like, if it makes sense to me, it just agitates me that I can make the effort and the others can't. I know that is, is that, frustrating. Is that a, is that a problem? Is that like, that's my problem. It's yeah. my problem. No, that's how, like, that's why I, I think a lot of people, myself included, have a very hard time with social media right now because you're just like, the FOMO is so real, but also it's not just like, hey, I'm not at a party. It's like, it's like a deep frustration with the way that society behaves and the way that people put themselves before others. And, and just yeah, you anxiety. understand why people do it, but it's frustrating. Right. And there are, I mean, I've always been a person who is like, I'm great to travel with when you need the itinerary, when you need the sort of, okay, we're going to do it this way. Okay. There's a car way and this is the best way to do it. Like think ahead. No, you're organized. We, I'm organized. We've traveled for business together multiple times and you have your, you're on point. I'm like, where's the bar? <laughs> and you're like, the car is arriving in 10 minutes and our meeting is at 3.30. And I'm like, but we can have a spritzer. Like that's afternoon wine, right? Clam chowder and a spritzer. Okay, but am I, am I that person who's like, like, I, I like to think I don't overplan. You're like, are you awake? Like texting me, has your alarm gone off? I was like, I'm... Oh, okay. Then I don't want to travel with me either. That's the problem. I think that's it. No, we need people like you. I don't want to travel with me right now. I'll only mm. get anxious. Okay. And so, so anyways, yeah, it's about anxiety for me. I think that's really interesting. So when I was thinking about travel and I just kind of this playbook popped into my inbox, which I think was probably strategically placed due to my search history. So thank you, you uh, think? SEO for that little, for that. Because not nugget. all of us are getting playbooks via email. I, so this playbook is called travel and hospitality marketers playbook insights to ignite travel in a new normal. Um, this is by a company called resonate 
one of the things that we were just talking about that I, as I was reading through the, you know, layers and layers of insights, which I'm not going to share all of this stuff from, from this playbook with you, but you can go check it out, was the importance of FOMO for the travel industry. And I was like, isn't it so true? So they okay. say, explain 15% of all Americans say they'll start traveling when they see others travel. So it's about like, someone ripping off the band-aid first and like getting out there and booking a trip and posting it on Instagram. And then you're like, is it okay? Wow. Like what a justification for a media spend on social. (laughs) Right. Right. And so that's what they talk about. They say, how can travel marketers encourage visitors to share hashtag your destination with their friends and family? This in particular is important for eager travelers who are more likely than the average to look to social media for planning ideas and research. So in this playbook, it's interesting. They break it down into eager travelers and cautious travelers. And it's almost like the eager travelers rip off the bandaid first. They start to share the FOMO sets in, which then spurs cautious travelers to think that it's okay to start to get back out there. Enjoy. I'm not, I'm like. No, really? For now. I'm like that with everything. I'm like, those people are out for dinner. Where am I going? I'm like, those people, where are they doing at the, like, where are they at the beach? I'm at the beach. And even though I'm like, we're very cautious, it really gets to me. Like, I'm really ready to get out there. I never would have said FOMO was an attribute that you suffer from knowing you before you were the one who'd be like I'm not doing that enjoy I'm tired or yeah because the other side of me is like the Jomo right it's like the joy of missing out I also pride myself on missing out (laughs) so I'm like a weird I think the pandemic has done this to me before I was like you know what I get out enough now I'm like I'm not doing my own anything like I feel like you know and I'm like well those people do maybe it's just because um I have being a shut-in so but it (laughs) You know, thank you, pandemic, for giving me my first round of FOMO, which is gross. I hate it. Shut in. There she is, people, because that's what I'm a shut in. (laughs) Shut in. So the other thing that they say in this playbook about these eager versus cautious travelers is that the eager travelers are looking for luxurious experiences, right? So it's not like they're just getting out to this like mundane baloney of like going to a TGI Fridays or whatever. Like they're looking for these like high-end premium experiences that, and it's those experiences that they're sharing that's giving you the, the major FOMO. So like the the music festival that I booked, I didn't book like a general admission sick. I booked like VIP, like I'm not going to be like floating in a crowd. I'm going to be like up where the wine. You'll be doing the touchless car wash yeah. version of that. I'm like, where's my little VIP nest <laughs> to which I can like wear now my it- Foo Fighters t-shirt and like be alone. How does this bubble roll me to the venue? Yeah. Right. So that's the other thing. Like it, it's not like people are looking for average stuff. It's like, we've been in for a long time. People have saved money. They haven't spent on travel. We've talked about this before, your little travel fund and you haven't, who haven't been going anywhere. So it's not yeah. like you're just going to book any random flight to Florida and stay in a like holiday inn. Like people are looking for these elevated experiences that will help them feel safe as well when they're getting back out there. And like, it's worth the risk should there be one. The eager travelers are often what I, and the ones able to book. It's not about not being able to afford it. It's about choosing to afford it. It's truly pent up. 
and they have a budget because they have not used it. It's interesting. So when you say something like 15% are experiencing FOMO, if I have it correct. 15% say they'll start traveling once they see others travel. That's not a staggering number. No, I just think that it's an interesting spur of those eager travelers getting out there and then what that is doing, you know, and so 15% say that they will start traveling when they see others travel. There's still that cautious undertone, right? So it's not to say the other 75 don't want to travel. It's just that perhaps they may be that cautious traveler who's not ready to rip off the bandaid. I think what's interesting about that number is I I don't, I didn't mean to discount it is to say that's a really, um, encouraging stat for someone like me to say, I'll get there. Like, I think I'll get there, but I'm not part of that 15%. You know, it's also because in my lifestyle, I really don't have to go interact with other humans physically. It's really my choice. I mean, honestly, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gone to a music festival ever. (laughs) Um, What I will say is we've recently, I, I have had that what's been pent up for me is a need to reconnect with people I haven't seen in a while. So we've been hosting Mm -hmm. friends, family to come up and we just finished one, which was wonderful, but we're both like, we're done. Like, you know, it's fun, but yeah, this can't be the mechanism by which we socialize. So for someone like me who doesn't ever have to socialize other than virtually for my job, it's different for my wife who's now starting to travel. So I'm also seeing that anxiety because she's going to destinations that are the first ones to open up. But to me, they're the, you know, they can be the Mecca. The last places you'd want to go. Close contact or irresponsible behavior. Um, but she's a much more and careful. Where is this debauchery taking place? Uh, I'll say, I'll give the states, one is Florida and one is Nevada. Mm. And they are the worst cities to be in, in my opinion, for where I would think there's Contact. a lot of people and there's a lot of people drinking and there's a lot of people who haven't chosen these places because of their compliance. <laughs> right. Yes. Anyways, what I know is my fear isn't her coming back with it. My fear is her having a very stressful annoying, being very anxious ridden and just not having a good experience and wanting to leave, but that's not an option. She'll manage. She's, I mean, you think I'm organized. She's good. So, and she's patient. Right. Yeah. And it's one thing to kind of make the sacrifice for personal travel and experience. Right. And, and it's a totally different thing to jump back into business travel when like clearly we've seen over the last little while that perhaps sometimes it's unnecessary, but it depends on what industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's interesting. And, and it bring to bring it all back, I think it's anxiety driven. Right. Timely this morning, I'm, I'm driving to the car dealership to get my car repaired. And I listen to the radio and there's this, oh, released for the first time, Canadian Global Affairs shares a study or a report on where Canadians are killed most outside of the country. Oh, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know. is that helping? <laughs> so I was just like, Why? interesting. That doesn't help. Um, now, what's so funny is, you know, it's this big news. It's on all the news. You like think COVID's your big problem. <laughs> Wait until you get put in a trunk and driven to an ATM. Like not an ideal experience. <laughs> Lindsay, we are not talking about personal experiences on this. Remember, we agreed. But anyways, and you all think she's the one in the trunk. No. <laughs> anyways, we had to meet somehow. Uh, it, so it, 
does this whole study over the last five years, the top places. Okay, but in five years, 191 Canadians have died, have been killed abroad. Like the last five years? Combined. Yes. Because no, people haven't been going to a lot of places the last couple of years. What was interesting was 2020 wasn't significantly lower. Really? So it's, it was just so funny and it made it to the radio station and then I go do, you know, my, a little bit of research, big story, it's first time ever. And they, so it's just funny to be like, okay, so is there, is there really, is it really worthy of, an, of a report, Miss Data right. Nerd, to be like, okay, so we're talking about 191 people over five years. Obviously they don't have 2021, but they end with 2020. So it's the only year impacted by it. And it wasn't significantly lower. Okay. So number one is Mexico. Mexico has always struggled, you know, speaking of being in a trunk of a car, Mexico has always had that perception. And it is actually, no it, was, comment. it was our favorite destination as far as Mexico was your favorite. Mexico became our go-to just because it was the things we liked, you know, easy to get to close to the airport. It's so funny how you start, right. the more you travel for leisure. Yeah. What's it? And they have great food, best service. So Mexico is number one, us is number two. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're neighbors, right? How many people are typically yeah. killed by their neighbors? It's kind of like getting a car accident within a block of your house. That's what I'm going to guess. Uh, we go to the Plus, States. All like the we're time. probably just like slightly too comfortable, right? You know, it's like, um, oh, it's North America. It's okay. All this to say, Mexico had 24 killings in five years. You know, U.S. had 20. That's not that and then, many. No, and then it just continues to be like, then Jamaica, Philippines, and some place in West Africa. I wish I could remember the name, but I've never heard of it. What was it like one? One person there? Well, yeah, You're it's right. in 63 is that, countries. Is that study worthy? 191 Canadians were killed abroad over the last five years across 63 countries. Lindsay, could you do a strategy based on that data? Strategy is we're doing all right. We're doing okay. <laughs> Go, let the, answer your phone. Well, this mode. is okay. So this is where you like the misinterpretation of like the impact of these data statements, or even right? the purpose of this data. So like your Joe Schmo was driving in the car. And yeah. they hear on the radio, like Canadians are getting killed all over the place in 63 countries and blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, that sounds like a lot. And then you like dig into it and you're like, that's very small. Clearly someone got a budget. I want to track. Okay, Lindsay, go track the murders that have happened over five years. Here's a million dollars. You're like, thank you. I mean, it sounds like a sleepy job. No offense. Like it's a bit of a sleepy job. So exactly. And I just thought that was, we like this word serendipitous because we knew we were going to talk about travel. And my whole thing is what's the intent? Like these things don't happen by accident, right? They get put out by Canada Newswire, the, you know, local media pick up all that stuff. And they spent 10 minutes, you know, they have fun with it. It's my morning show that I listen to and but it's just, wow, that's a lot of attention to something I'd like to say nobody cares about, but it's because everybody cares about. So even though it's insignificant data to which you cannot formulate anything, what's the news behind Canada has right. finally launched it? Well, there's no news. Yeah. The observation I have, I'm looking at my notes now, is it's the sentiment around travel, I think, has really shifted. Mm-hmm. Um the sentiment of anxiety, I think, is the like beyond even fear, because I believe anxiety 
then leads to fear as a more tangible right. sort of emotion or sentiment. Um, we need to look at that sort of sentiment associated with travel now. And like you, Lindsay, is okay. So even understanding what was it with you, I do believe surprisingly you're part of that sort of FOMO 15%, but because you're mm-hmm. shut in, right? You're you're going from one extreme where you're like, I need, oh, I don't just need to go for coffee, although I haven't gone for coffee with anyone for two years. I need to freaking rage in a bubble yeah. at a VIP event. Like I'm I never going have. out. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's where the balance is. It's like the balance of risk versus reward. Yeah. And it's just not there for me. But the article that I'm citing from is from McKinsey. Um, it's back. It's from back in late 2020, but it, I think it's really relevant. And the, the title is Make It Better, Not Just Safer. The Opportunity to Reinvent Travel. And I think that that's what's been, when we first had this, conversation I was more focused around space travel is crazy it's becoming a it's becoming a thing if I had the choice right now about spending the same amount of money and it you know it could be like say 10 grand on me I wouldn't do that but and if it were accessible for me to have a you know four hours in space travel or a week at a resort I never would have thought this but if I had to choose one I'd take the space travel because I know that it would be a touchless experience. I know it'd be like, hey, and then I can go home and sleep in my own bed, right? Like I don't have to be in water with other people. And- so you would rather go to space for four hours than to a luxury resort for a week. Right now, if I had to spend that money someone's- or stay home. So what I loved <laughs> about this is I'm just going to pull um, some general observations. And one is really to say what's really shifted is the key sentiment around this uh, survey they did with a lot of people. It's over a thousand people. I don't wanna get into detail, but we'll put the link. Is that travelers should have confidence in the whole system rather than be anxious about pieces within it. So that's that's where we've come now where I think it's interesting, like your VIP thing, it's because you trust mm-hmm. that if you're gonna spend that kind of money and it's this thing you've wanted to do, you're going to trust that the whole experience, you have the next X amount of months, because I'm going to guess it's refundable because everything is now, that you're sort of like, we'll see how right. it goes. But if I'm going for this uber premium experience, it's because I trust that. I'm not going to go and try and make my own sort of experience or go to a place where a ton of other people are going. I hmm. So like you said, I think it speaks to that. But, but so... Let's just pause on that for a second, because what you said was the traveler should have trust in the entire experience, not the details within it. And so I think if anything, the last two years has taught us the opposite. So the way that I, and that's, this is where I feel like this plays into people's mindset and mentality is like, uh, it's very hard to get a vaccine if you were a younger person and wanted to get one in the beginning, it was very hard to see consistency of like safety protocols implemented across different types of businesses and organizations and industries. I really feel like a lot of people are, have declining trust in that kind of trust the system, like a trust a system or a full system like mentality, because it was like, well, that was inconsistent over here. And I had to figure this out for myself. And that's where the anxiety is coming from in the fact that I feel like I needed to control a lot of the little details in order to feel safe. And so I feel like that mindset of 
just trust the system is kind of will have a halo effect on on this type of insight. Yeah, but what it's so perfect what you said, because what they're saying is because we started having to trust all the bits, all those bits are like, right. are they just saying this? So what they recognized was what is the cleanest facility? What is this? And when you focus on all those things, you realize that you can't, I have to trust the brand. It's bringing it back up to you. I'm not saying that you just mm. threw it, but you're going to book it with, you're going to go for those premium experiences because it, and, and it, does it not ladder right back? Let's go back to the trust barometer. Now, more than ever, people are looking to brands to make them feel comfortable and safe. So it plugs into yeah. what you said is exactly right, but you're going through your evolution. So as we look forward is there's going to be a point where you won't trust all those little pieces is how clean will they say it is? How They're, they're all saying it. So it's that idea to say, mm-hmm. when does it come down to, so I'm not, I am only staying at beaches resorts, which I never would have considered when I'm ready. Right. The thing, and the thing that they're most anxious about, about the whole thing is trusting that the room they stay in is going to comply. That's their number one. It's way up there. Well, that's where I feel like the devil's in the details, right? Like, I feel like it's less about like trust the whole system. And it's more like proof to me in, in those small instances, I'm going to have that I can't. Are you just going to refute everything I say here? (laughs) No, I'm just curious. Okay, go ahead. It creates that curiosity that what I like about this is it's taking the thinking that you brought to mind, but moving it forward going, will it always be this way? This is all coming together. Brands have the opportunity to be the voice more than anything. So what brand can create an experience and package that says, if you say that, there's no question I'll get it because I can't be, I'm not there yet. I can't be there. Like, I'm just going to distrust everything to say I've been on a plane and it was full. And I was like, what the hell is this? Right. And I'm Mm -hmm. flying to Halifax for Mm -hmm. gosh sakes. So the other thing that was really interesting is overall exposure to travelers and boarding the flight are driving most travelers anxiety. So that's the other side the whole trip. These are the biggest things. And we talked about it even last week. Of course, they're eager to go. But what are the things they're not eager about? Mm -hmm. Because once you really focus on that and blow it out, there's competitive advantage. I'll be ready when someone tells me I can trust the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I won't be influenced by seeing other stupid people going on trips and going. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because even in, in what I was reading, they were saying like top travel product attributes for both travelers. So that eager traveler and the cautious traveler is a uh, cost effective, safe, and dependable. So those are like those are the top things that people are thinking about. So that's safe and dependable, I feel like really plays into the, the stats that you're sharing. Yeah. yeah. And like, who knows what dependable is? So then I happened upon something else, which is the root of all this. I wanted an excuse to somehow call out Don Draper of, you know, some amazing moment that as my own Don Draper, <laughs> me as a total relatable Don Draper, uh, you know, working in my basement uh, by myself, in a sweatshirt uh, with no one around me, not smoking or drinking, sadly. Um, But I always remember when he had to do a pitch for airlines. It was actually a very important thread in the story. And at one point, when when they're smaller and they start out with an airline, it's Mohawk, which is a subsidiary of a bigger airline, blah, blah, blah. But I I, I bring it to this one scene, and we'll put the link in, the review, the copy, the ad copy for this Mohawk airline campaign um, as a team. And he says, 
It's not about the majestic beauty of the Mohawk nation. It's about adventure. It could be a pirate. It could be a knight in shining armor. It could be a conquistador getting off a boat. It's about a fantastical people taking you someplace you've never been. And then he goes, blah, 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 blah. Hence the birth of Sorry, Brand. in the episode, he says blah, blah, blah? Yes, because he's in this sort of, they, oh. they, they, they've, come, they've come back with some very contrived sort of, you know, circle of wagons. They really play on the really lame metaphor mm. of Mohawk. And then he goes, it's not about that. Right. It is about something bigger of which the Mohawk is just one present representation of. But what I love about it is this, it's really like, wow. And then he's standing there and they're all like quiet and he goes, blah, 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 blah. But what he's saying is that's the fundamental shift that has to happen so that you can get into mm. their heads. And I'll end with a really cool article, which I will share. Uh, it's from an okay. Arizona newspaper, but it's the idea. Have you ever heard of the five eras of marketing? Five eras? Yeah. Nope. Okay. So the five are this, and I'm like, what? It's based on the person I think who coined the best is Philip Kotler. He's written a lot of books and has been cited a lot, but it's attributed to him. Number one, okay. the production, production area, uh, era of marketing. All about okay. you have, you produce, you mass produce something. How do you distribute it? That's the first era. Okay. okay. The once things were mass produced, how do you make sure you distribute them properly so that they can be bought? The next is the... Uh, the production, the product area, which is about more about the product and utilizing through marketing the attributes of that product to okay. attract consumers. Function. Yeah. Okay. The next one was the selling era, which is just about aggressive promotion. Discounting. Yeah. And advertising, like everything builds on top and they don't, they haven't ended and moved to the next. Um, then they talk about the marketing era which I'm saying was the fundamental shift for people like you and me and where brands mm. were born as an entity aside from the product. And they truly saw the value that they could create. I'm just going to read about that one where they say the marketing era, uh, which is said to start in the fifties, saw a fundamental shift instead of just trying to persuade consumers to buy the products they were making companies focused on making products that customers wanted to buy. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Right. So that, that to me was like, I've always said the fifties was really the birth of branding. So it's like, it's when brands became a thing. It's when the, uh, the, the title of a brand marketer became a thing. It's when we started going, but what do they want? Right. Forget the product right now, step away. What do they want? And that's the beauty of a brand versus a product. Right. And then from there, that was the fourth one. And the latest is the holistic era, which essentially is everything matters. Um, is that now? Yeah. And it's the, he says that it's the point where it isn't just about maximizing a company's financial return. It also takes into account whether the company is acting in society's broader interest. Got it. I think there's a word for that. Are we going to put that word in this episode as well? No, we'll let people decide. <laughs> it's cool because 
it's the things that are shifting are the awareness of mindset, right? So the way that we think about people traveling pre-COVID, post-COVID, new normal, it's the, tra- it's the transition of mindset. It's like the way that we think about marketing eras, whether it's from product function through to brand presence, through to emotional and impact on society, it, it all shifts with the way that consumers' mindset shift. And I think that couples so well with your fascination with psychology, because once you address the understanding of the psychological behaviors, the wants, the needs, the shifting behaviors, then your brand then knows whether it has a place in that place. Yes. That's all I got. What do you think? Love it. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, I I look forward to getting uh, a running commentary on whether you're still going on this crazy trip. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, you're going. I am going. In a spacesuit, you're going if you have to. Hazmat. A Foo Fighters branded hazmat suit. Can you get me one of those for Christmas? You're definitely going to want to Instagram that shit. (laughs) Stay tuned to my Instagram. (laughs) Drum roll. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the twomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. This podcast is over.